what it is good and blessed for us to be here in the house of the Lord this this morning. What a beautiful day it is this morning that God has given us. There are so many things that we are and should be thankful for, and yet sometimes I think we just get caught up in the world and just things move along and don't realize what God has done for us. In the reading this morning, thank you, Monty Paul, a couple of times there, the God through Isaiah talks about, I know who you are. And the reason I know who you are is because I have chosen you. For Israelite was a chosen people. As he read there in Isaiah 43 and 10, you are my witnesses, saith the Lord and my servant, whom I have chosen, that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me there was no God formed, neither nor shall there be any be after me. I, even I, am the Lord, and beside me there is no Savior. What did God say about the children of Israel that he chose? He said, I chose you for why? To be my witness. The world knew who God was because of the children of Israel. And you are to be my servant because I've chosen you to do so. And therefore, you're going to know that I am not an idol, that I am a living God. As he speaks there, I am the God. I, even I, am the Lord, and besides me there is no Savior. The idols that the people around the Israelite people had did not save them. But God was their Savior. In the very first two verses of that chapter, he says, But now thus saith the Lord who created you, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. We remember the story that he redeemed them from, the, from Egypt. I have called you by your name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, thou shalt not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. God took care of his people. And he says there again in the 10th verse, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yea, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. God promised the children of Israel that, first of all, I have chosen you. Secondly, you are mine. And thirdly, I'm going to take care of you. Because why? Because you're mine. You mean something to me. And you are to stand up as a witness to the world around you. Isaiah 51 says, But I am the Lord your God, who divideth the sea, whose waves roar. The Lord of hosts is his name. And I have put my words in your mouth. I have covered you with the shadow of my hand, that I may plant the heavens, lay the foundations of the earth, and say to Zion, You are my people. I think that's a really interesting group of scripture because he said, You know, I have planted the heavens, I have made the heavens. And I've covered you with the shadow of my hand. Why? Because I want Zion to know that you are my people. The heavens were created for God's people. 
The foundations of the earth were created for God's people. And he wanted the Israelites to know that they were his people. In Deuteronomy 7, Moses said unto the people, For you are a holy people, to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for himself, a special treasure above all the peoples on the face of the earth. The Lord did not set your love on you, nor choose you because you were more in number than any other people, for you were the least of all the peoples. But because the Lord loves you and because he would keep the oath which he swore to his fathers. Moses pointed out that God made them a special people for himself. They were his. And the Israelite people weren't the strongest people or the the numerous people or any other kind of people that made them special except God chose them. And then they become special because of that reason. Because the God for because the Lord loves you and because he keeps the oath that he swore to your fathers. The children of Israel were special people because they were chosen of God and because he knew who they were. In Isaiah 49 and 13, Sing, O heavens, be joyful, O earth, and break up in singing. O mountains, for the Lord hath confronted, comforted his people and will have mercy on his affliction, afflicted. But Zion said, The Lord hath forsaken me, and my Lord hath forgotten me. Can a woman forget her nursing child and not have compassion on the son of her womb? Surely they may forget, yet I will not forget you. See, I have inscribed you in the palms of my hands. He said, He can't imagine that a woman would forget the child that she nursed or her son that she gave birth to. And he said, But that might happen. That could happen. But he said, It's not with me. I put your name here so that you're always before me. Excuse me. You're always before me. God does not forget his people. Well, we've talked about Israel and we talked about how they were chosen people. Now I want to talk about a special group of people, the ones that are adopted. Being adopted or to adopt someone is special. When you have a child by natural birth and they are your, they are your child, or your son or your daughter, and you love them and you take care of them. But when you adopt someone, it's because you have chosen to do so. You have decided that I'm going to take this child and I'm going to give him my last name and he's going to be mine. There are a few of us in this congregation that have adopted children and those children are our children and they are ours and they are heirs and they are not any different than the ones that were born to us. The only difference is is they were chosen specifically to be ours. And God did that for us. In Ephesians, first chapter, Paul said, having predestined us to an adoption as the sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. See, we didn't become part of God's family because we're special 
because we're great or because we're more holy or because we're better or we're smarter. No, we got there because it was his pleasure to do so. To the praise and the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace, which he made to abound towards us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself. You and I, as children of God, are adopted into his family. And back when Moses talked to the children of Israel and said, you know, you're, you weren't greatest in number. There wasn't anything special about you except God told you. There's nothing special about us except God chose us. There's nothing special about those in the family of God today that are adopted as his family except it's at his will and he wanted it. Romans 9, Paul said, and that he might make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy, which he hath prepared before you for, beforehand for glory, even us whom he called, not the Jews only, but also the Gentiles. And he said also in Hosea, I will call them my people who were not my people, and her beloved whom were not beloved, and it shall come to pass in the place where it was said to them, you are not my people, there they shall be called sons of the living God. If you are a member of his family, an adopted child of God, what honor is there more than be called the son or the daughter of the living God? Not our choice. It was to his good pleasure that the church came about. It was to his good pleasure that the Gentiles were adopted in as family members and that very special group called the sons and daughters of his. Again in Romans the 8th chapter, for as many as were led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. And you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father, the Spirit himself bear witness with our spirit that we are children of God and if children then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him that we may also be glorified together. My wife and I adopted a daughter when she was five months old. She, until she got married, took on and had my last name. She is my heir. That which I have... When I pass on, a portion of that will be hers. Why? Because she is an adopted child. You and I are adopted children of God. And by that reason, the scripture here is very clear that we are heirs, heirs with Christ. We will be there in the last, in heaven where we will be with him if we are faithful to the end. And I like that where it says, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, that we may also be glorified together. Glorified together with God in heaven. Familiar group of scripture, but ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own, his own, 
special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of the darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people, but are now the people of God, who have not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy, as those not in the family of the Israelite people, we were adopted. We are the Gentiles that were adopted in. And we weren't a people of God, and now we are. We didn't have the mercies of being a son and daughter of Christ, I mean, of God, and now we have it. We have attained the mercy that he gives to his children. In Deuteronomy, Moses speaking there, the people, he's talking about following the law and doing the commandments. In Deuteronomy 4 and 6, he says, Therefore, be careful to observe them, speaking of the commandments, for this is your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the people who will hear all these statutes and say, Surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. Now, Moses was speaking to the children of Israel, but I am speaking to you this morning, the church, this congregation. We need the people of the community to know that we follow God's will and that can say, surely this great nation, this congregation, these people are wise and understanding because they do God's will. For what great nation is there that has has God so near to it as the Lord our God is to us for Whatever reason we may call upon him, we would like for people of this community to look at this congregation and say, what a great God they worship and how that they keep his commandments, even to the point, as it says here, for the reason they may call upon, we can pray unto our God and expect an answer. We want the world to know that. Remember, that's what God said the children of Israel were. They were his witnesses. And we need to be a witness for Jesus Christ. And what great nation is there that has such statutes and righteous judgments as are in all this law which I set before you this day? Does the community look at this congregation and say how great they are because they follow God's will? They do his statutes and they understand his righteous judgments? Do they look upon us and say, this is some place I want to be because their God hears them? They pray to him for whatever reason we may call upon him. We are his people, sons and daughters, heirs. We need to act like it. Having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that Whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. If someone comes up and says, that person's not a very good person, do others back that person up or do others say, no, that guy's good. He does good works in the community. He does good things. He is a member of God's body. He is of Christ. We need to be that kind of son and daughter that when people, as it says here, speaks against you as an evildoer, there's others that says, no, he's not. Because they can look at us and see how we are and the things that we do as Christians and say, no, he's not 
Whoever you think he is, he's not. He is God's child. He is a good person. He does God's will. If you remember back in Acts, the 11th chapter, where the gospel was being spread and went out and there was concern that what they were preaching might not be the right thing. And Barnabas says here, when he came and had seen the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged them all that with purpose of heart they should continue with the Lord. For he was a good man, full of Holy Spirit and of faith, and a great many people were added to the church, a good man being Barnabas. And it says here that the disciples were called Christians in Antioch. You and I carry Christ's name. Names mean something. What a person calls you means something. And in our case, we need to be called Christians just as they were in Antioch. And how important is that and how fast did that term get known throughout the community? We find in Acts 26 chapter where Paul was showing his defense for being a being a follower of Christ. And he said unto Festus, with a, Festus said unto him with a loud voice, Paul, you are besides yourself. Much learning is driving you mad. But he said, I'm not mad, most noble Festus, but speak the words of truth and reason. For the king before, for whom I am also speak freely know these things. For I am convinced that none of these things escape his attention since the things were not done in a corner. King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know that you believe. Then Agrippa said to Paul, you almost persuade me to become a Christian. What did Festus say when he was saying this? Almost you persuaded me to be a Christian. Christians were the name. Christians are our name. It's a name given to us. We carry his name. And when Festus said that, it wasn't that he was just going to say, I'm a Christian and, and, and then not do anything about it. His problem was, is to be, I believe, was to be a Christian meant he had to give up a lot of things that he wanted to not give up. Almost, you persuaded me to be a Christian. The name Christian is what we carry, and it's important that we understand how critical it is for those around about us to look and say, that's a Christian. That's a son and daughter of God. I don't. I was thinking back doing this lesson, and I just don't really know any real famous people. I don't know anybody in Hollywood. I don't know any politician that if I walked up to them, they would say, oh, yeah, there's John McCall. Fortunately, there's some of you in the audience that know who I am, and I appreciate that. But I don't really know any famous people. I don't know what the world would consider important people. But there's one that's really important, and that's Christ. And if we are his, he knows our name. Most assuredly, I say unto you, he who does not enter in the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when they, he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know 
His voice. Do you know the Lord's voice? Are you in that close communication and that close of adjoinment with Him? That He knows your name? And when He calls it, you know who He is. A little later on in that chapter, it says, I am the Good Shepherd, and I know my sheep, and I'm known in my, my own. As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep, and other sheep I have which are not of this fold. Them also I must bring, and they will hear my voice, and, they, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. Jesus prayed for unity of the body. He prayed for us to be one. He prayed for us to be together. He prayed for us to get along he prayed for us to be sons and daughters together, one flock and one shepherd. I like the account we find here in, in Acts, the 19th chapter. It's, it's interesting to me for, well, let's read it. Now, God worked unusual miracles by the hand of Paul so that even handkerchiefs or aprons were brought from his body to the sick, and the disease left them, and the evil spirits went out of them. Then some of the itinerant or traveling Jewish exorcists took it upon themselves to call the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, We exercise you by the, by the Jesus whom Paul preaches. Well, there were seven sons of Sephia, a Jewish chief priest and they did that and this evil spirit answered and said Jesus I know and Paul I know but who are you then the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped upon them overpowering them and, and prevailed against them so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded this became known both to all the Jews and Greeks dwelling in Ephesus and fear fell on them all and the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified this evil spirit looked at these priests and said I don't know who you are you're not Jesus and you're not Paul does Jesus know who you are does he know your name are you part of that fold of sheep these people were given no authority and the evil spirits let them know it. In Revelations 3, 4, and 5, you have a few names even in Sardis who hath not defiled their garments and they shall walk with me in white for they are worthy. He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garment and I will not blot out his name from the book of life but I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. Those that are part of his family will be recognized before God and he'll say, you know, I know who that person is and I want him here because he was faithful to me. We want him to know our name. In heaven, the scriptures tell us we'll be given a new name. We'll receive a new name for those that are faithful to him. 
In Revelations 3 and 8, to the Philippian brother, he says, I know your works. See, I have set before you an open door, and no one can shut it, for you have little strength and have kept my word and have not denied my name. Skipping down to the 12th verse. He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go out no more, and I will write on him the name of my God, and the name was the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from, from my God, and I will write on him my new name. The scripture says that Jesus had a name that no man knew. He says, I'm going to write on my believers, on my those that make my brothers and sisters that make and stay to the end. I'm going to give them a new name. And finally, in Revelations 22, and he showed me a pure water, river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the midst of it, Street and on either side of the river was the tree of life, which bore twelve fruits, each tree yielding its fruit every month. The leaves of the trees were for the healing of the nations, and there shall be no more curse. But the throne of God and the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him, and they shall see his face, and his name shall be on their forehead. Christ will give us that make it to heaven. Those of us of the children of God that are faithful to the end, a brand new name. I want that name. I hope you do. Names are important. God has chosen his people. He has adopted us to be sons and daughters, heirs with Christ. If we'll just hang in there. Does God know your name? Does Christ know your name? Do the evil spirits know that Christ knows your name? You want him to. You want to be part of that fold of sheep. You want to know his voice and you need for him to know your name. To do that, one must confess his name, must repent of his faults, Come forward and be baptized to wash away those sins to receive the Holy Spirit so that we know for a surety that he knows our name.